Life Jitsu, Art of Life, Frank Forza, here with my good friend Ken Murray. We go back, man, a lot of years, maybe six, seven years at Whole Foods, just got to know each other there. Young guy, 20-something, mindful, going down his own path, uh, doing it his way, and he is what we call a fruitarian. That's what he calls himself. He eats, to my knowledge, predominantly fruits, maybe perhaps exclusively. We'll hear from him about that. But uh, very interesting guy. He's done a lot of citrus fasting, fruit fasting, different fasting. If you follow me, you know that I go down the nutrition rabbit hole. I am not an expert. I'm not super experienced about fasting, and so I don't teach that per se, but I'm happy to have someone with me who is going down and exploring the different kinds of fast. Remember, I have a combat sports background, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, wrestling, etc. And so I have a lot of weight cuts under my belt. And for me, fasting was basically uh, quasi-starvation, right? Choosing to, to not eat for one day or sometimes a little more than a day in order to make weight. It was horrible. You walk around like the walking dead. It's not healthy, but you do lose weight. We were spitting in cups. We were sitting in English class or whatever in high school, spitting in cups and doing anything and everything to cut the weight, Ken uh, and and others take a much more intelligent approach. And so here we are with Ken Murray. By the way, we shot this podcast a couple, you know, a week or so ago, and we lost it. We haven't lost a podcast here on Life Jitsu yet, but we had it. So Ken was such a uh, a really good guest. He said some great stuff, so I hope you'll bear with me. And if you're not, if you're like, hey, fruitarian, I'm not interested in that, I'm not interested. Well, again, none of us have all the answers, right? So to me, I'm not a fruitarian, but I'm interested in Ken's experience because one of the things in the nutrition space, there are debates how much fruit can people, should normal most normal healthy people eat per day, right? That can vary by individual, but you hear different things. You'll hear some say four to five servings. You'll hear some say five to 10 servings. You'll hear people say, well, fruit is still a sugar. It's a fructose and you know, it's, you're still taking in sugar and sugar is not good for the body, yada, yada, yada. So there is a debate there. I don't have all the answers there, but I'm happy to have someone and say, hey, Frank, I'm eating way more fruit than probably anybody you know, and this is my experience. So we're not here to intensely debate. We're here to learn. We're here to get an explanation from someone like Ken. Say, what does he see? What has his experience been? He's studied. Um, he has studied at the feet of some very interesting people who've been been in this space a long time. So without further ado, Ken Murray. Ken, yeah. the fruitarian path. Mm-hmm. Tell us what led you to be a fruitarian, and are you exclusively fruit? Uh, well, what led me to fruitarianism, it's kind of been about a 12-year process. Uh, back when I was 16, I was getting into some martial arts, and I was reading this magazine about a guy named Peter Ragnar. He was a martial artist, and he was into Qigong and energy work and stuff like that. And as I dug a little deeper into his, his knowledge... He touched on uh, raw foods and how raw foods um, have live enzymes and higher energy than, say, cooked foods, for example, and that the human species is the only species that actually cooks their food, whereas like a gorilla or a chimpanzee tend to eat their food raw. 
And so that concept intrigued me, and I, I thought I would try it at the time. So the first time I ever tried eating raw foods was, you know, I was like 17 years old, and um, it had a profound change on my body and my mind state. And uh, so ever since then, it was kind of like the, the catalyst to where I am now, which is more of a fruit-based or fruitarian lifestyle. And a fruitarian basically is generally someone who eats about 70% fruits, maybe some vegetables, sweet vegetables, nuts, and seeds. There's different definitions out there depending on who you ask. But in general, I think a good, a good explanation is that maybe 50 to 70% of what you eat is, is fruit-based. And there's a lot of vegetables, too, that um, in a culinary aspect are considered as vegetables, but they're actually fruits botanically. So, so there is a little, you know, different, uh, there's some different things out there, but, but mainly just, just fruits. And uh, I, I discovered this lifestyle more so around 2012. There's a book, 801010 by Douglas Graham. He kind of touched on it and how it's really beneficial for athletes because you're putting in, you know, pure, readily available energy for the body. But later, uh, after for athletic purposes, I got into it for healing purposes, healing the body. And, uh, you know, and so there's fasting, there's different kinds of fasting, you know, there's forced fasting where you're starving, basically you don't have a choice. And then there's conscious fasting where you're consciously abstaining from certain foods to elicit a change in the body, whether it be healing or, or spiritual awareness or enlightenment, if you will, uh, just like the great spiritual giants. But, um, but I got more into the fruits for, for healing because there were people around me suffering and I wanted some answers to help them. And and sure enough, I was I was led to those answers, and yeah. Now, by the way, mm -hmm. are you historically are you aware of any cultures that have been overwhelmingly or exclusively fruit based diet? Some, yeah. I mean, the Hunzas are are really famous. Uh, long and some some of our yeah. listeners might might not yeah. be, even including me. By the way, yeah. what the Hunza were they? Hunza's, uh, they're, they're in the, they're in Asia. I don't remember exactly where. I, I think it's, I don't know if it's Tibet or something. Okay. I'd have to double check that. But they're these people that are known for living well over into their hundreds and even 150 years old. And some of the women are rumored, I don't know if this is true or not, to, uh, to have given birth after 100 years old. And generally with them, what they've proved in longevity is that they eat very little, but they tend to eat like apricot seeds and apricots, you know, just fruits and vegetables and very little, very little eating in general, and they live over 100 years old. It's a common thing for them. Um, so that's just one example, but if you go to the tropics, you'll see they have uh, a, a much greater amount of fruits available. So in the tropics is well, you'll, where you'll see more of the fruit eaters, but in general, large civilizations, I don't think so. I don't think there were large civilizations that exclusively did, just simply because of the fact that... Uh, I think it's just one of those rare things, you know, that very, maybe throughout the times, maybe ancient Egypt, there were just those very few people that kind of ate this way. And, uh, you know, over the years, maybe it just got more popular and things like that. But I do believe originally, I mean, even National, was it National Geographic or the Discovery Channel, they were saying that we originated from the subtropics of Ethiopia. And uh, so we actually were a subtropical species and uh, we lived exclusively off of fruit, and that was that was proven from Dr. Alan uh, Dr. Alan Walker. He's a paleoanthropologist, and he used an electron microscope to study the the teeth of the ancient hominids, which came 12 million years before the Homo erectus, which is where we have the hunter-gatherer type of 
mindset. But 12 million years before that, we were in the subtropics exclusively as fruit eaters. And when we migrated away from that is when we started cooking our food and eating grains and the meats and things like that. So so your belief is, yeah, we, we started out eating fruit and we've since veered from that. But, but Right, correct. Yes. Because just based off of our body's design um, and how we lived, we were, we were tree dwellers. We, we lived around the trees, so it makes sense, our design, where our bodies are meant for picking and peeling and plucking. That's the most readily available thing of, to eat uh, instead of expelling energy, whereas if you have to hunt for something, you have to, you know, you have you have to uh, expel energy to do so. So the most readily available thing were those easy, bright fruits with their fragrance uh, and their color that attracted us to to eat them. And a fruit is essentially just the sex organ of a plant or of a tree, and so the tree puts all of its energy into the sex organ so that it can reproduce. Because the whole idea is that when you eat fruits, you're actually living more symbiotically in, with nature because you're dispersing the seeds. You're helping spread the life of that organism while at the same time getting nourishment. So that's kind of what no, it's, it's interesting. A lot of you out there, Ken had referenced Ethiopia 12 million years ago. And just a heads up, you can probably deduce it. Ken, and there are others out there too, some very intelligent people who believe that society, civilization, uh, much older than we are told you can decide that for yourself, but there are there's a lot of information out there. A lot of people saying, "Hey, by the way, we're you know whatever you can call it conspiracy theory. You can call it whatever you want." But there are people who say, "Listen, you know there are archaeologists, etc. They look. We are older than than is commonly known. That is commonly told. And in Kent's case, and and in his life and in his experience, and he chooses to wrap himself around the idea that in fact uh, human civilization is millions and millions of years old. Um, again, if you just want to just blanketly, reflexively say, look, it goes against everything you've ever learned, that's fine. You can, you can discard that. But nevertheless, I'm intrigued. I'm still intrigued. How much fruit mm -hmm. do you eat per day? I mean, have you ever just sort of mm -hmm. a rough calorie estimate as to how, what you're, yeah. can you eat 3,000, 4,000, 5,000 calories a day of fruit? Mm -hmm. You're eating from what time to what time? Do you have mm -hmm. any restrictions? How many calories you're putting down? How much yeah. fruit? I mean, this is a fruit. This sounds like a constant fruit fest. Then. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you first get into it, I mean, I, I, I didn't. I was concerned about the calories in the beginning, I, and you know, I was trying to make sure that I got enough calories. But then I kind of got away from from that idea of getting enough calories. Um, but I'll tell you this: in the beginning, I was eating probably close to like ten to fifteen pounds of fruit a day. You know, because that was what was suggested at that time based off of the knowledge that I'd come across. But later, as I got more advanced and deeper into it, I realized that, and I think this is what it is, is when you, when you eat a high amount of fruit, you start to clean out your gut a lot. And the, your gut is essentially, you know, your digestion improves and your absorption improves. And, and as your digestion and absorption improves, so does your ability to, to sustain off of less. And so I went from the beginning from eating a lot, 10 to 15 pounds, to... You know, I could sustain off of maybe a one watermelon or like 10 or 20 dates. If I wanted to, you know, most of the time when I eat, it's for the pure enjoyment of it. But I've, I've reached a point that I can sustain off of very little. Um, but, but generally, my, the way I follow it so is... So you wake up, yeah. what's, what's breakfast in your house? Uh -huh. um, breakfast for me is kind of like more towards lunchtime. Some days I will, I will just fast. I won't eat or drink anything until maybe 12 or 2 or 3 or 4. I just kind of intuitively, intuitively follow 
what my body is 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 wanting. Right. But generally, a breakfast for me would be some nice fresh fruits, uh, fruits, berries, or melons. But uh, I have mine that I particularly like right now. I'm eating a lot of dates. I love I love dates. They're very nutrient dense uh, uh, fruits. They're and they're not dried fruits actually, which is kind of cool. But or melons, like I could do a whole watermelon, for example, or mangoes. But the, what I try to do is I try to keep it simple. I try to eat just one to maybe three fruits at a time, but mostly I, I just mono eat because the idea is is that the body's like a sensory food processor, and the easier that it can digest and break down your food, um, the more energy can be used to you know say heal your body, for example. Uh, so it's just reducing all digestive energy is is kind of what I what I'm trying to do by eating more simply, because then you have more you're more ener- you have more energy your mind and awareness expands a lot more because it's not digesting, mm-hmm. uh, and uh, so there's a lot of gut brain connection too and with fruit and that high electricity it's going to turn on the neurons and in the brain it's it's their brain and nerve foods and so now, yeah that's kind we of we are going to go Ken is uh, you know a um, is is athletic and he's in pretty good shape and he has a martial arts background as well so we are going to talk a little later in the podcast about athlete recovery and protein that's an obvious question like hey people are out there like wait how in the world fruitine if you know fruits when most of us think of fruit we don't think of protein Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. we think oh there's no way i can recover as an athlete i'm going to get weaker etc we're going to talk about that in a little bit but first Let's talk about your citrus fast. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, Ken and I follow each other on social media, and I was following. He was doing the citrus fasting. I did think that that was very interesting. Um, tell us about the citrus fasting, how you did it, mm-hmm. and what you experienced. Yeah, definitely. So I've done lots of fruit fasting in the past, and so there's different levels of fasting in general is what you need to know. Right. And water fasting is like your true fast. But with fruit, when you eat one fruit at a time, there's an advantage to it because you're getting that pure electromagnetic energy and you're still sustaining yourself um, rather than not eating anything. And so if you live a normal busy life, you can continue to do so you know, without detoxing too hard or too rapidly and you get out of balance. So that's why uh, you know, I chose the single fruit. And I've done grapes and melons and things like that. So I chose citrus because... It's a little more subacidic. It has a little bit more astringent properties, so it's really effective for cleaning out the gut. And it's a generally a really high-energy food. I was inspired by my teacher, Dr. Robert Morse, who fasted on oranges for six months and just had these incredible out-of-body experiences and these insights, you know, these spiritual experiences. And so originally I did it because, you know, I was like, well, why not? I've done several fasts in the past, so why don't I try, like, an extended citrus fast and... So that's what I did for 42 days. The first 10 days, I did all orange juice. And then the next 30, I just ate citrus, just tangerines and, and navel oranges, pretty much, is is what I did there. And you mentioned you, Dr. Robert Morris with mm-hmm. the spiritual experiences and so forth. But he, mm-hmm. What were your experiences mm-hmm. while fasting? I mean, you know, yeah. in terms of awakening, in terms of consciousness, in mm-hmm. terms of... Um, you know, it maybe a, a, I don't know, in life-changing experience. What, what yeah. did you? Well, I definitely had some profound experiences. You know, I didn't leave my body or anything like that. Um, <laughs> not that I was after that, but uh, I'll tell you this: it gets. Uh, I was at such a high level of energy to where I 
I could sustain off of very little sleep. Um, and, and my overall general awareness and my sensitivity, all of my senses just, just lit up, I mean, like a hundred times, like a hundredfold. So in other words, I could, I could hear much more, I guess you could say. I could hear the littlest things, things far away, but my sense of smell was definitely increased. What I've realized too through this is that we don't use our, our senses to the full capacity. And when you do some of these fasting or you eat more fruits and raw foods, your senses will come back. We actually, our senses are dulled down. And so I could smell it. I could smell food and I could tell you almost what it was. I could smell people better. And even, even consciously, I could almost pick up on people's intentions or just their, their, their energy. You know, there's, everyone's got this subtle energy to them and you can kind of pick it up a little bit better. And especially if you're like empathic, if you're a little sensitive already, it can it can heighten that as well. So it, that can that was a little uncomfortable for me is feeling other people's energy, you know, their pain, their suffering, or their garbage. You know, we all have garbage or baggage, and uh, it got to the point where I I was just sensing that in people. But and it and it got to the point where I felt like I didn't even have a body. You know, I just felt so light, and I mean, my endurance was just like you couldn't stop me. There was there was no fatigue there, and uh, so yeah, that was kind of the experience for me. Mostly is just very heightened awareness and a lot of insights to you know to myself. Why, and the why mind. did you yeah. pick forty two days? Is there uh -huh. a is the, what was your rationale for forty two days? You know, <laughs> uh, I you could you could have yeah. said forty five. Yeah, you could have yeah. said hundred. You could you could have <laughs> went down to six months, which is yeah. roughly one hundred eighty days. I know. Yeah. But you picked forty two days, which uh -huh. to my journalistic calculation is six weeks, I think. Yeah. I you know, I didn't pick forty two days. I didn't say I was gonna do forty two days. I went in, I was like, you know, I'd like to do thirty, but if I could do forty that'd be great, because you know, like Jesus and Buddha, yeah, these nice... spiritual giants, they went forty days, so I thought, okay, maybe I could try to get myself up there on that level. Um, but it went, it went so well, it, everything went so perfect because I got the, these amazing oranges from the farmer's market, uh, sumo mandarins were in season and it, it just was all so perfect. So I went 10 days on juice and I was like, you know what? I feel great. I'm going to keep going. Soon I was on 20 days and I was like, this is, you know, I've got this, you know, I'm, I, I, w I didn't felt like I, I didn't feel I was deficient in anything. I didn't feel low on energy. I actually, I was. The every day I felt better and better, so I was like, well, I'm going to keep going. A lot of us think of fasting and uh -huh. we think of deprivation. We think of, you know, not having much energy. We think uh -huh. I'm not going to be able to exercise. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So you were able to exercise. Absolutely. I chose not to mm -hmm. just because I, um, I just wanted to reserve all my body's energy for healing. Because yep. when you when you exercise, that yep. that requires energy, and when yep. you're detoxing and you're healing, that requires energy. So it's just getting it all focused on healing. So I was just mostly relaxing, deep breathing, some light yoga, qigong, and things like that, is what I kind of stuck with. But yeah, so so I went to 42 days, and uh, it just got to the point where I I couldn't take the sensitivity anymore, and I was just ready to eat. And, you know, when you have a partner, you want to eat with your partner. So there's and some social so you, aspect you, you have you have a serious girlfriend. She yeah. did not partake in the citrus fast. She didn't partake in the citrus fast, but she did a fruit fast for like 15 days. So we kind of shared a similar experience. Just I, I was just at a more refined level, I guess you could say. Is there a leap of faith required to go and become a fruitarian? Because it seems like that is a leap of faith. I mean, like, again... Mm -hmm. 
we, people out there know vegetarians, vegans, paleo, Atkins, keto. They know all these big labels. Mm-hmm. Um, but most people probably haven't met a fruitarian, right? Or, or probably least, not. And, and, that's, and that's probably not a, I, I don't know. How, how common is it, I guess, Ken? You are a fruitarian. Yeah. How common is it? Is it if, you had, if you had to <laughs> estimate the percentage of the population, that's a fruitarian. You know, ve- less than 0.01% probably. Do you think it will catch on, though? I think so. I mean, that's, that's what I'm trying to do. You know, I'm trying to help people heal and show people that you can heal your body, uh, you know, doing more fruits. But I'd also like to get more into the athletic side of it, too, and show people that you can be very athletic and probably even perform better and recover faster. Do, just doing more fruits. I'm not saying everyone should be fruitarian, but to embrace the idea of these high-energy foods that not only they, they heal you, but they, they clean you out. Um, it's good for digestion, and you can recover quicker. You're getting more hydration, more electrolytes. They're just packed with chemistry, and I feel like we're, we're overlooking the um the benefits of, of fruits and i'm just trying to get it more into the consciousness of people and there's are there there's a lot of us out there who are doing it but you'll see it more so in the realm of healing the body there's a lot of people who are sick out there and you know when you put them on fruits they get well so some people are forced into it but i don't tell them hey you know you're going to be a fruitarian i just say you got to eat this for me for this time period and take some of these herbs to get well now it's interesting mm-hmm. out there in the conventional science and medical and athletic areas or industries, the conventional wisdom is, hey, protein builds muscle. If you want to build muscle, if you want to be strong, if you want to be mm-hmm. super athlete, you have to eat a lot of protein, and that means some meat. We do see more athletes going to the vegan proteins, but fruit would mm-hmm. seem a harder sell because people are going to say, hey, where am I going to get the protein, right. Ken Murray? And yeah. you're, you're obviously aware of this, and your totally. response is... Yeah, absolutely. Well, there's a, couple, there's a couple things that you need to understand in order to see why fruit is, is superior. And I guess we'll just start with, well, what is protein? You know, We have to know what, what protein is, and is that what the body uses? And so protein, the word itself, means structure, and that's its role in the body. It's for repairing and re- rebuilding structure. It's not used as an energy source. So that, with that in mind, um, uh, that kind of helps shed the light on, okay, do you really need that much protein? Not so much because it's more for repairing and rebuilding. It's necessary, but not as much as we think. And the, the body's not actually after protein per se, because if you think of the body as a sensory food processor, it has to break down food into smaller parts so that it can absorb and utilize it. And so protein in the body is broken down by acids in the stomach uh, from proteins to polypeptides, from polypeptides to peptides, and then from peptides to amino acids. Amino acids is what the body uses to repair and rebuild, you know, the structures. And so it's not protein you're after, it's amino acids. And so there are foods that are already readily available in their amino acid state. So you can bypass some of the digestive uh, energy required, and it can go just straight to rebuilding and repairing rather than digesting. And so things like your kelp, your alfalfa, your nettles, um... Uh, your your horsetail or any of your greens, you know, your green leafy vegetables are going to have more amino acids uh, present rather than dense protein structures. So, in other words, you're 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 getting more uh, efficiency by bypassing digestion, if that mm-hmm. makes sense. Um, but anything that has structure 
has protein because that's what the word protein means is structure. So if you can hold something in your hand and it's a food, then it has protein in it. Um, just not as concentrated as it would be in your greens, you know. And you can see in, the, in nature a lot of the herbivores like your horses and your giraffes and your elephants, these are the, mo the, the most giant creatures on, on the planet and they're incredibly strong. Like you don't want to get kicked or bit by a horse and they just eat green matter, you know. Or a cow, they're a thousand pound creatures, and so you can you can build a lot of you can build on greens. It's interesting. I, I heard oh, is it chimpanzees or are, are uh, pretty much is it, is it true? I mean, are the, they're plant eaters? I think or no? Well, they're frugivores. They're classified as a frugivore. So you have your carnivores, your omnivores, your herbivores, and your frugivores, and the primates are your frugivores. And so, based off our anatomy and physiology, the human species actually fits that category because the chimpanzee. We share 97% of our DNA with a chimpanzee. We're 97% the same as a chimpanzee who can rip your car door off or, you know, a baby chimpanzee can rip your eye out. And, you know, they're, they're, they're mainly fruit eaters. And a lot of people argue, well, they eat bugs and they'll eat this. And, yeah, it's true. They eat based off of what's available in their environment. But their, their biological design is that of a fruit-eating species because primates were more neurologically developed than the rest of the animal kingdom, and especially the human species, were very neurologically developed, and so um, neurons are highly specialized cells that require a greater amount of energy, just like a sports car would require a better, uh, you know, fuel to to make it run. And it's the same thing with with humans. When you have fruits, you're eating eight to twelve thousand angstroms of electromagnetic energy, and so you're putting you're putting pure energy into your into your body, and that's that's going to light up your nervous system and your brain. And so, of course, you're going to have better muscle control, better muscle contraction, because your muscles are connected to your nervous system. And essentially, strength, if you will, is just training your nervous system. And uh, that's why that's why these animals in the wild are so strong, is because uh, they're eating raw foods and they're eating very simply, and they're 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 electrical high energy foods. So. Yeah. It's interesting. Mm -hmm. You 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 talk about like so one of the things I experienced in the last year year and a half as I as my diet has improved and is mind clarity right there's mm -hmm. that gut yeah. brain connection yes and um, you know we could say well how much of it is coming from my mind right a placebo effect or just and how much of it's coming from my gut you mm -hmm. know with serotonin levels etc they're so interconnected right the brain mm -hmm. the the integrity of the stomach and the function of the brain and beyond and and so it's it's an it's interesting when as you talked about the sensitivity i think of the the movie the green mile you know the mm -hmm. big character michael duncan clark uh, i think it's michael duncan clark a big big character there and he can sort of feel everybody's pain he's yes. this very empathic person and very and by the way for those of you listening, if you're familiar with me, I, I personally think that in this dimension, other than the spiritual realm, I think in, in the normal functions we're talking about for people, I think intuition is the top of the pyramid. I, I don't think there's a greater power. We can talk about you know, the arts and business and, and whatever. I, I think you know, physical power, I think intuition uh, trumps all. I think it is this, this, the source of the greatest genius that I've seen or researched or experienced myself. That is my... Um, that is my vantage point. So you talk about where you felt like your intuition muscle went up. And so anyone who is, and, and again, Ken is talking about these themes here. We talk about them here on the Life Jitsu podcast and beyond. 
but sort of the enlightened eating phenomenon. Anyone who is on a path to enlightenment or whatever word you want to use, consciousness, your best self, whatever, um, what you put in your mouth, what passes your lips has to matter. You have to be mindful of that to think that there is no connection, right? I mean, if you were to swallow poison or swallow mercury or whatever, you would realize there is a connection. And so a lot of people out there, they're not swallowing the big dose of mercury or some fatal drug, but they are having death by a million cuts or death by a million bites or a million drinks. They're, they're slowly there. There's all of these toxins. And to think that your brain and your spirit are, are spared in the process is foolish. I don't care whether you agree with everything Ken has said yet or not, whether you agree with everything I've said. You have to appreciate that there is a connection there. Anyone serious about pursuing their highest self has to someday come to the doorstep of food, nutrition, drink, and fasting too. I mean, because there's a lot of people out there pounding the fasting drum. As Ken alluded, there are a lot of historical figures throughout, you know, a lot of discoveries, epiphanies, and enlightenments, etc. We've seen that enough with fasting. It's, it is fascinating because when we think of fasting, we think of the spiritual sacrifices. We think of people sort of with the walking dead. We think of them reduced energy levels. What's interesting is when I hear people talk about fasting, usually maybe the first day or two or three mm-hmm. is hard, and then yeah. bam, mm-hmm. you dial in, and uh, you, you were talking about in your case with the increased, what you felt like increased energy levels, yeah. you needed less sleep, yeah. and you felt like your idea flow and your mind mm-hmm. clarity, et cetera, mm-hmm. were, were, uh, were much better. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, so one thing, by, by the way, the fruitarian technically... An avocado is a fruit. Yes. So good news there yeah. for those of us. That's the top top ranked Forza yeah. Fit food is the avocado. Oh yeah, that's you, a wonderful. How many avocados are you eating a day or a week? I, I try to keep it just to one, a half or one a day. Okay. I I could eat more. I think I think if you're more active, you can get away with eating a more. Do you think mm-hmm. Ken that there is a hierarchy to fruit? In other words, Absolutely. are some are all fruits created equal, or you believe? Right. And I know that you know we were talking about this earlier mm-hmm. with with Cody and everything too, where. Any food out there, even if it's not a great food, can be the right food at the right time, right? right in a serious true. situation or something. Mm-hmm. But in general, yeah. general hierarchy for fruit for you is what? Oh, absolutely. Well, I look at it in terms of energy, you know, uh, in terms of physics. And so in, in physics, it basically says that everything in this universe is, is vibrating at a certain frequency. Mm-hmm. And so everything, everything vibrates at different frequencies. And so it's the same thing with, with foods, you know, even, even rocks vibrate at a certain frequency. And so mm-hmm. there's just different levels. And so when you get into the fruit levels, there's different fruits with different, uh, energy or consciousness to them. And so, um, you have your sweet fruits, your subacid fruits and your, your acid fruits. And generally those three categories will have different levels of, of energy, if you will. Mm-hmm. So with um, your bananas and dates, your sweet fruits, those are pretty high vibration, high energy foods. Now the banana is the only fruit that actually increases in electromagnetic energy as it ripens. No other fruit does that. So bananas that are brown and spotty, very highly electrical. Um, but the, the sweet fruits tend to have a little bit less water, and we know water is the universal solvent, and it's a great conductor of electricity. And so when you move into the more subacid categories, which are like your berries and your melons, mm-hmm. those are going to be a much higher uh, energetic fruits. And so your berries are the best brain and nerve um, of fruits out there. So if you really want to just turn on your nervous system and your brain and your overall capacity to be aware and conscious, 
do more berries and not just blackberries and blueberries and things like that from the store, but you can take goji berries, shizander berries, bilberries, saw palmetto berries. There's all different kinds out there. And even the 250-year-old man, if you look into this guy, he was a Chinese man, he, he ate goji berries and shizander berries uh, at like a, daily. Um, and then you have your acid fruits, which are like your citrus fruits, like your lemons and your oranges. Very, very, very high in energy. I mean, even in um, the science school fair, we, we used to connect the wires to the lemons and we turn on the light bulb, right? It's because they're very highly electrical. They're very alkaline. They have uh, lots of electrolytes, and so electric, electrical lights, you know, is, is, is another way to break it down. And so, so the different categories, again, are just your sweet, subacid, and acid. And generally, your subacid and your acid fruits, like your lemons, grapes, and say, watermelon, yeah. are very just much different. Like, if you, ate, if you ate, say, apples for a week, let's say you did apple juice for a week, the next week you did uh, lemon juice. It's a tremendously different experience, um, you know. And what's, what, yeah. what's interesting is is about the the acidity. Where in general, people that are familiar with pH balancing mm-hmm. and alkalinity and acidity and mm-hmm. and our ratios, people just tend to automatically demonize mm-hmm. acidity. Right. And yet we see something like a lemon that is mm-hmm. so good, so cleansing, so right. detoxifying, and it's. Mostly acidic. Even yes. some of the berries, where they're they're more bitter, they're not. Right. Some of the berries that are that are excellent for us are more on the bitter side than even the sweet side, which might right. carry a more acidic uh, right. uh, measure than mm-hmm. a sweeter berry. Yeah. And maybe even we could make an argument, maybe be be better overall for someone if we were to just pound a certain berry. Right. Talk about the I yeah. guess the acidity and and the Definitely. upside of acidity too, yeah. because yeah. you don't want too much acidity in the body, Correct. but. Yeah, so uh, chemistry, chemistry it rules our physical world, and there's only two sides of chemistry. Of course, your acid side, which is the male side of chemistry, it's hot, it burns, it's corrosive, it'll chew you up from the inside out. Whereas the base or alkaline chemistry is the more feminine, hydrating, healing, electrolyte side of chemistry. And uh, really what, what matters, though, is the ash left as a as a byproduct of metabolizing or breaking down the food. So anything you ingest in your body is going to have a waste material created as a result of breaking it down, or a metabolite is another word for that. And that's what you call an ash imprint? An ash, what? yeah. So like a fire, when you burn the fire, that right. heat, it leaves an ash. And it's so our internal fire will leave an ash as a byproduct and of breaking yes. down the food. Yes. And so you can have a food, like we'll take lemons, which are acidic, uh, which is acidic chemistry, but when you eat it and you ingest it and it breaks down in the body, it leaves an alkaline ash. So the key is the ash left behind. Uh. Almost all fruits, if they're ripe and picked you know, good, they tend to be alkaline forming. So that's, that's the key, really. But you can have too much acidity. So for example, if, if I'm trying to help someone get well, if someone um, you know, has cancer, for example, and cancer is just a word for a damaged or mutated cell, usually those people who have damaged or mutated cells are more on the acid side of chemistry. Mm-hmm. So we wouldn't want to put them on any, any more acid chemistry. You don't want to have any proteins because protein is more nitrogen dominant and you're going to get more acids out of that. You want more carbon-based chemistry, more alkaline chemistry, which is like your fruits. Particularly like the sub-acid category is, is more balanced than say lemons. So if, if I had someone with cancer, I would put them on grapes rather than maybe lemons right away because lemons tend to be a little more on the acidic side even though it forms an alkaline ash, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. But um, So in terms mm-hmm. of, I guess, 
fruits to avoid or to eat less of or even little of, yeah. what are some of those fruits that come to mind? Well, I would the say... Bo- that are yeah. at the bottom of the pyramid for you. You know, I'd, I'd say they're all, it just depends on what you're trying to accomplish more so. I'd say all fruits are good as long as they're ripe and preferably organic. Okay, so we, we have 70% uh-huh. or so of Americans are obese or overweight adults. Right. Mm-hmm. So for... People in that predicament, which is the majority of adults, yeah. Yeah. in your mind, right. it, when you see them, what fruits would you say, eh, they should be weary of these, uh, of these okay. fruits and maybe not overdo it? I would say maybe more bananas. I, I'd say a little, less on, a little less on the sweet fruits. Your bananas, dates, and figs. But even those are still good. Uh, I, would, I would just say as a general rule for most people, if, if we're taking it in the, context, on tech, or the context of someone being obese... I would say stick with the more subacid fruits. So your apples, peaches, plums, your berries, and your melons just are, are perfectly balanced. You know, they're not overly sweet. They don't because ha- the sweet fruits are a little higher in calories, you know. And, of course, calories, a, dif- uh, um, a deficit in calories does make a difference in weight loss. And so, mm-hmm. you know, your subacid fruits tend to be a little bit less on the calories. And they're not too acidic. They're not too astringent. So they're more in balance. Now, it's interesting, and we were talking earlier with your friend Cody. We were all doing training some jiu-jitsu together, and we were talking about, um, you know, I grew up, I was a massive, massive. I, listen, I exaggerate not. The biggest eater I've known in my life personally yeah. <laughs> yeah. is at this table right now. Uh-huh. I've never met John Swigert, if you're listening, my high school friend, my <laughs> Is the, is is the the was right there with me toe to toe. There was there's never been a bigger eater. My aunt Lorraine, Uncle Frank, and everybody. There's big Italian meals. They will attest. Uh, I just was was. I mean, I like literally. I was thinking of the guy mm-hmm. Kobayashi, get a hundred thirty five pound right. guy, yeah. and I just I just it was emotional eating. And I thought I work out so much. I train hard. I landscape, and I like hard work. I can eat whatever I want. And and what's interesting though is so someone like you who used to be you know by mm-hmm. your by your words you used to eat you know emotional eating you ate a lot a lot a lot yeah but so now, I couldn't now, walk basically yeah. <laughs> and you used to be a lot heavier right uh, I was overweight most of my life until yeah. sixteen there so, you go yeah and now he's got a beautiful girlfriend too so there's hope for any of you out there you, you're heavy <laughs> you overweight <can> whatever <laughs> yeah. you got a beautiful woman waiting for you yeah. but but so. But what's interesting about you is now you go down the, the, the fasting, yeah. you're into that. I'm on the other and, side of the spectrum. And that, that fasting thing, what's interesting yeah. for me, and I want you to speak to this, mm-hmm. that fasting thing may help a fruitarian in other ways because for you, you're okay. Like So if I was a fruitarian, mm-hmm. one of the problems a guy like me would have is I like to eat. So I'm eating, yeah. I'm eating seven, eight, nine meals a day. I'm eating at 11 p.m. I'm eating at midnight. Fruitarian Frank might just go gangbusters on fruit like right. all day yeah, yeah. and just whatever I'm doing, <laughs> yeah. I would be fruit, 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 fruit. Yeah. Maybe. Unless mm-hmm. I get into the fasting thing too. Now it seems like it would be much more sustainable for someone like me if I yeah. if I coupled it with fasting. It'd be like, yes. well, Frank, you don't need to eat 10, 15 meals a day, 10, 15 pounds of it a day right. like you were where right. it's like, God, Frank can't do anything without just eating, eating, eating. Yeah. But so th- that, that would be one of the things for the people that do like to overeat. If they're not willing to go into fasting, right? Let's say they mm-hmm. don't go a lot into fasting, yeah. which may be wonderful for them, right. but they right. decide, eh, I just want to go a lot like, you know, 60, 70% fruit. If somebody out mm-hmm. there is into that, 
what are they looking at by way of food? Somebody who really likes food. I mean, yeah. how often? What are you going to do? I mean, you guys, you could take the avocado does have a lot of calories. Yeah, yeah you no, can, you can just, avocados you are can, great. You can do totally. two or three avocados a day, I guess, be somewhere where maybe you could curb your appetite a little with that. Yeah. But yeah. so, but but so the, the functionality of it, where uh-huh. again, it could have huge upside, like you're saying. Maybe somebody out there, whatever, somebody is just sick. Somebody has. We were talking earlier about parasites because mm-hmm. there's a lot. I mean, people don't know but there's. The healthiest people out there listening, you have parasites. We all yeah. have parasites. Yeah. It's, it's an ugly topic, but you have good bacteria, bad bacteria, pathogens, viruses mm-hmm. in all of us, the healthiest people. But someone like you is mindful and you're saying, hey, I want to be, I don't want that. I have stuff I don't feel right. Mm-hmm. Right? Some people, a lot of people out there listening, they don't really even know how crappy they feel because they don't have the awareness, right? right? So right. if you take someone that's eating crap all the time, mm-hmm. if you have them eat half the crap, they, they start to get an awareness, right? Absolutely. But even yeah. then, they don't know what they don't know. There's a lot they don't know. When they start really weaning off, if they mm-hmm. were to get rid of all the crap, mm-hmm. their awareness eventually would go through the roof because Absolutely. when they started to eat the Big Macs and the crap again, mm-hmm. their body would just shout at them, yell at them like, wow, what Absolutely. are you doing to me? You know, yeah. they, they would then have the awareness, the sensitivity that you're talking about. Right. But until they decide to consciously start, hey, I'm going to start trying to move toward better foods, healthier foods, you start foods with better vibrations, becoming more mindful of, you know, of, of even, you know, avoiding some of the acidic foods, like you say, with the acidic on the, on the end when it gets broken down. Mm-hmm. But until people become more mindful of eating healthy, a lot of people just don't know what they don't know. They don't, right. they don't have an awareness. They, they, most people out there, in my experience, the, the mistake that they make is they're looking in the mirror, they're thinking from a vanity vantage point. They're thinking in terms, oh, my jeans don't fit. Oh, I'm heavier than I want to be. Oh, I, 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 you know, my knees hurt, my back hurts because I'm carrying 40, 50 extra pounds. They don't think a lot of them in terms of the awareness, the mm-hmm. mind clarity, right. all of these wonderful things that we're talking about, which is like, wait, yeah. when you start, when, 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 the, when the healing, when the eating is from the neck up, not right. from not from the you know the the the, the chest down or right, where, right. where most people they're thinking in the, in that term you know yeah so you know the, the fruitarian thing is very interesting to me because I talk a lot about um you know I'm mostly I'm mostly more in the high fat space but the fruit is always the X factor for me because I'm still there are still areas I've improved the diet thing tremendously I know how to you know. Losing weight's not even in my top five, by the way. Losing weight's not even in the top mm-hmm. five of my, of my nutrition goals because it just happens. It's, it's, it's a natural byproduct. But the one of the areas that I'm like, wow, there's a lot, a lot, a lot of room for growth is fruits. Mm-hmm. How much fruit, people ask, how much fruit can I eat? And I have never pushed the limits. I have yeah. seen some studies that have said, listen, they've, you know, they've studied you know, a, a bunch of people over a one-month period or whatever, and um, and they found that uh, there are studies out there where hey they're eating way more fruit mm-hmm. than than the experts recommend yeah. and they're fine they're testing their blood they're testing whatever so there is some evidence out there to support mm-hmm. what you're saying which is mm-hmm. hey Frank because for me I'm like I try to be a purist wait at the end of the day yes is the fruit sugar better for you than straight table sugar. Yeah, the fruit sugar is better, but still, I I, I have a problem rationally. Like, mm-hmm. wait, it's still sh- it's still sugar, it's still fructose, right? It's still yeah. there, still had the potential to, to to corrupt the cells, corrode the cells, create problems. However, it a lot of this fruit sugar does get metabolized different. 
It has nutrients that we can only get from fruits, mm-hmm. right? So there's a, a great spectrum of nutrients there. And, um, and as you said, a lot of times the digestive burden is way less. And hydrationally, right, we're ideally two-thirds to 70% water. So hydrationally, no question about that. Mm-hmm. I mean, some phenomenal hydration on that level. So I'm still, that's part of the reason Ken is here, is I'm still very intrigued. And I have sitting in front of me someone who's eaten way more fruit than I have. And that's what I'm interested in is that perspective. You talk, and you learned this from Dr. Morris, mm-hmm. you talk about the iris and the yeah. study of the iris and what that iris tells about someone's wellness. Talk mm-hmm. about that. Yeah, absolutely. So, so iridology is is basically the uh, the reflection of your body cells in in the eye, and you can analyze and read the tissues, the cells, the stomach and bowels, the glands through the iris, um, and you can also see someone's inherent genetic weaknesses and their inherent genetic strengths. But it's a useful tool, especially in the healing process or just anyone in general trying to get healthy because it's a roadmap for your health. You get a real-time shot of, okay, this is exactly what's going on in my body. This is where I'm a little weaker on a cellular level in this area, um, which could get injured first. You could be more prone to an injury somewhere where the cells are a little weaker, for example. And then... um, you know, you can see where you're also very strong. But it's useful because you can see the health of the stomach and bowels, and uh, you can see the lymph system, which, which is a very important system to understand because it's the body's gigantic sewer system. It's one of the two major fluids of the body. One is blood, we're very familiar with that, and then the other is, is lymph fluid. And 80% of the fluid, interstitial fluid, the fluid that surrounds the cells, and the cells make up, you know, all your body parts and your organs, is, is lymph fluid. And it's responsible for for cleaning the cells, cleaning out your waste. Um, And so to be able to see how much or how much of a degree you have that backed up in your body, uh, in your iris, can be very useful uh, in terms of healing because most people uh, in general with health issues have a lot of backed up lymph in their body. And that's the system that essentially cleans the acids out. And like we talked about earlier, there's only acid chemistry and, and alkaline or base chemistry. And acids are what chew you up it's what damages cells, it's what causes cancer, it's what causes arthritis. All pain is a result of acids. And the lymphatic system is the system that cleans those acids out. And so the more stagnant your lymph system, the more prone you are to damaging your body. And especially, so in the case of like someone who's exercising, for example, um, you can cre- you, there's acids created as a byproduct of respiration, metabolism, you know, exercise creates acids. And so... If you don't filter those acids out of your body via the kidneys, then you're more prone to getting injured, I guess you could say, if you want to look at it that way. Um, now, with, with yeah. the iris, and since you're of the belief that, hey, Frank, the iris basically tells all, it's so studying the iris will tell you what people need to work on, mm-hmm. strengths, weaknesses, disease, defense, etc. Do you go around like basically just, I mean, if you're sitting, you're in the mm-hmm. store, you're, you see a cashier, can you just casually look in their iris and tell these sorts yeah. of things? Yeah, I mean, you can. You know, you might freak someone out, like you're staring deep into their eyes or something. But in general, yeah, the, the overall eye color tells you a little bit. Um, and then the structure of the iris or the trabecula, the lines, can give you an idea. You could, I could tell if generally someone has a pretty strong constitution. But, uh, but in general, you need an up-close photo for real accurate readings. 
But for example, there's only two eye colors according to iridology, that's your blue eyes and your brown eyes. And so you'll get people with like yellow or hazel eyes, for example. Those I tend to notice because those people tend to have more backed up lymph systems. Um, because when... So I shouldn't date yeah. someone with hazel eyes. Well... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, but... Yeah, you, I know. You're going to be a higher risk. Yeah, I mean... Green eyes. It depends. You know, someone could have a strong constitution. Green eyes? You know, yeah, green eyes, yeah. So, uh, depending on the, the degree of lymphatic stagnation, could turn a, a blue eye green. So, uh, acute levels are white, will show up as white. Subacute will show up as yellow, and chronic will show up as brown. So when you have someone with blue eyes who has subacute levels of lymphatic congestion in the body, and usually it's inherited from the mother, maybe she was a big time milk drinker or something, um, awesome. you know, yeah, and so so it'll turn a blue eye green, you know, yellow and blue makes green. Um, so so in terms of someone interested in, you know, a test like this. Mm-hmm. Would do is there is it just literally like an examination like hey I'm sitting here with you you're sitting here with me you look at the eyes for five minutes yeah. and they send a picture how does that work uh, well there's different ways you can do it the I guess the professional the most professional way would be through a camera designed for iris photos or a Jensen camera is what they call it you can also use a cell phone like a lot of the cell phones you can take pictures of your eyes and I could still look at it from there. Might not be as accurate, but I could still tell you a lot just with your cell phone. Most of the clients that I work with, I use a macro lens on my phone. But then they also make software for computers that hook, there's a camera on it, and you can you can you know take pictures that way. So there's just different different levels of uh, accuracy depending on the camera that you use. And so uh, you, I could sit there in ten minutes and tell you like all about what's going yeah. on in your body. So that they say the eyes never lie, and yeah. you would say the iris. Yeah. Never lies. Yeah, just, it's interesting because our eyes kind of, that's how we take in our external world, but they're also a reflection of our internal world. And there's even iridology out there that can tell you more about your emotional and spiritual states. I haven't gotten there yet, but uh, it's a very fascinating science because it's non-invasive and, um, you know, you can also see healing as well. You can see the eyes will lighten up as you start to heal, as, as you start to get your lymph system moving, the eyes get lighter. So you're kind of peeling away layers. You could see lacunas, which are dark, open lesions, if you will, in the trabecula. Mm-hmm. Those will start to close up. Lines will grow in them. And so you can actually see healing in the eyes, which is a very useful tool. You know, for, it, It's for interesting. When, when I was in college, you would date these women. That oh, I'm a psychology major. And yeah. you just automatically think... I'm being psychoanalyzed from that point on, right? You just can't sit down with your Uh psychology major friends or your psychologist friend. You know you're being psychoanalyzed, and a lot of people that's uncomfortable. But if you're sitting down with Ken Murray, he is making judgments about your iris (laughs) and your wellness if you want and, them. Uh, yes. I won't judge you either way. Yeah. But like you said, some, sometimes... We're all, we all have work to do. You no, know, it, it's interesting because whether or not people believe in the story of Adam and Eve, literally, whether or not they do, it is a fantastic metaphor right. for wisdom. It's like right. when you know... One, sometimes you can know too much and it's a heavier burden, right? It's a heavier burden sometimes when you have an awakening and you're like, you can... You can read people. Let's imagine you woke up tomorrow and you can read people times a hundred. Yeah. And you think, wow, that would be magnificent. It'll be just as as heavy on you as it would be magnificent because now you have, you know, you may be sitting in front. I mean, I've thought like there's times I see people and I'm like, 
that guy looks like, you know, he's just done terrible things to people. Yeah. And not that he's not now. Right now he's minding his business. He's going about whatever. He's, you know, doing whatever. He's doing his little humble job. That person's, their energy looks like they've done terrible things and I have no proof of it. And they're minding their business and they're not out harming anybody. But I'm like, ugh. Yeah. And now I don't know whether I'm right or I'm wrong, but imagine if you had so much, you were so good at it, where mm-hmm. you're like, nah, with a high degree of certitude. There's just sometimes where it's like, again, it's like monkey. It's like you don't want to know. You don't want to always know, right? Sometimes, like, people <laughs> yeah. will try to tell me that about some friends. I'm like, did you know this? I'm like, I don't want to know. Like, yeah. I like so-and-so. Uh-huh. My world is, like, fine. He's never done anything bad to me. I don't want to know. Don't tell me, right? Yeah. There's just times I don't want to know because it's like biting into that apple, Adam and Eve, yeah. biting into that apple and saying, you know, do you, now maybe you know too much. Now, what's yeah. interesting about yeah. that is the final thing is that Sometimes when you have an awakening, when I first had my awakening, the, the real breakthrough, the real epiphany when I was 38 or so, um, and I realized, wow, so much of what we were told and so much of what we were taught is like, wow, I've just, it was a mind explosion. And I was outraged and I was mm-hmm. angry. Mm-hmm. And you go through phases. So awakening and consciousness, you go through phases where there is an anger phase for a lot yeah. of people. There is yeah. an outrage phase. There is tremendous injustice. And you walk around and you're like, how am I ever going to be happy again? Now I know all the bad things. I know that a lot of it's a lie. A lot of it's fake. We're controlled. We're this, we're that. And oh, man. It's like it's so upsetting to yeah. really know that and to really see through so many situations and yeah. for what they are. Yeah. But then as you go along, in, in my case and in many other cases, you see some really happy people because mm. you sort of you gain a perspective. You gain, yeah. okay, you know, it's like, all right, you know, that's it's always been that way. And then you realize pain and pleasure and you realize good and bad and you realize even that the ecosystem the world needs all kinds of things and mm-hmm. at some point we might even be on the, the things we were disgusted by and were outraged by that might have been us at some at some right. part of our journey that we might have been at that level right we were at like i was at that level right so then and so anyway this is all this is all the uh the fascinating stuff but but uh we're winding up here ken murray is my 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 friend he is a fruitarian he is, you know, he is a big believer that it's the, you know, it's what we were intended to eat. It's the best thing for us. It is great in his mind for athletes, etc., for healing. Ken, uh, it's been a pleasure. I've learned a lot. If people want to learn more, follow you on social media. Where can they find you? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, my main page right now where I share a lot of info and just things that I eat and stuff like that is... On Instagram, it's at Art of Detoxification. Art of Detoxification. I'm also on Facebook. I have a Facebook page. It's the same thing, Art of Detoxification. Also on YouTube, Art of Detoxification. Um, but mainly right now is my Instagram page, just at Art of Detoxification. I put a lot of free stuff up there, and you can always message me and stuff. And and yeah, and I have a website too, artofdetoxification.com. I've got a little bit of info on there my services and stuff like that, but uh, I'll keep updating that, and yeah, I, uh, I'll eventually start working on some more videos and try to get some more out there. Ken People. Murray, interesting yeah. guy. You're 20-something, right? Uh, 28. I'm about to turn 29. About to turn 29, and you've been, by the way, really quick, we got a couple minutes left. You've been in Vegas for how long? You're a native of Lake Havasu, but you've been in Las Vegas. Las Vegas yeah. is changing. What's it like to be this you know, this person who's trying to be spiritually aware, consciously aware in yeah. Las Vegas. It's an interesting juxtaposition. Yeah, you know, it's it's really funny. It's kind of a paradox, right? Yeah, you got the city of sin and 
spirituality, how do you balance the two? Well, kind of the way my perspective of it is like, it's sort of um, uh, a test, if you will, or, you know, maybe uh, it's, it's a challenge in a way to, to have that integrity to stay true to your values in a place where it's the total opposite of that. You know, so it's, I guess you could say it's just another way of having higher discipline. You know, it's, it's challenging because you want things to be a certain way, but that's just not how things are. And you just make, make do, make the best out of it and try to, try to just, you know, stick with your values and, and not stray from them is, is, is most, as difficult as, as that is, you know, it's, it's very hard to change yourself. It really is. And especially in a place that is totally opposite of, you know, what you value. But that's the beauty of it to me is, uh, you know, that's the ultimate wisdom is not being phased by your surroundings and staying true and, and centered and, you know, with your values and things like that. Easier said than done. <laughs> yeah, it's easy. It's interesting. When I, when I came to Vegas, I was here since 2000, I think it was October 2002, so roughly 16 years. And when I came here... Uh, a friend of mine who lived in Vegas for a long time and loves Las Vegas said, listen, never say a bad thing about Vegas. It doesn't corrupt people. It doesn't bring the worst out of people. It simply reveals who mm. they are or right. who they are at any given time. And so it is an upside. Like, again, if you can last a long time here, it might be might be a pretty good indicator. Like, I yeah. should know some really, I know so many really good people in Vegas, right? right. The, the ones that, that's been here 20, 25 years or whatever are usually uh, fairly clean living and good perspectives, and they, they last, right? If, yeah. if not, people get run out of town right. uh, pretty quick. So Vegas is changing, by the way, folks. For those of you, I mean, we're getting, it's the city is growing up. A lot of sports franchises moving here. It's moving away from just the strip life. I think that uh, gambling revenue is only like 30% or so of all the strip revenue now. So we're seeing the economy diversify and just seeing a lot more intellectual talent uh, move here and people, you know, fleeing from other places with high taxes and everything. So it's really for people from all over the world creating a very interesting mix and a lot, again, a lot more intellectual talent, people who are moving here who want to stay, not just passing through. So it is a very interesting time. You can feel it in the air. Ken Murray, a Las Vegan, he's here. He trains uh, a lot of jujitsu. He's big in the fasting thing. And he is the only fruitarian I know. <laughs> and he is sounding those, uh, the uh, sounding, you know, sitting here, uh, you know, just talking about how fantastic fruit is. I've got to go a little deeper down the rabbit hole. I probably need to start maybe eating some fruit and judge for myself. So with that, I would like to say thank you so much for listening. Uh, Ken Murray, Art of Detoxification. Frankie Forza, my website, www.frankieforza.com. Email for feedback, questions, etc. Frankie at frankieforza.com. We will see you next time. Thank you so much.